Welcome to Book Farmers, a podcast about books, farming, and other interesting things, bringing you what's tasty from Farm Stand the Bookshelf. I'm your host, Dan Lardbeck. Right now, we're reading for the camera by Giovanni Vicaccio. We've read the proem and the introduction to day one. Now we start with the actual stories. This is Data First, the first story of the Decameron. Without further ado, here's my guest reader, Catherine. The first story. Day the first. Master Chapoletto dupeth the holy friar with a false confession, and dieth. Having been in his lifetime the worst of men, he is, after his death, reputed a saint, and called Saint Chapoletto. It is a seemly thing, dearest ladies, that whatsoever a man doth, he give it beginning from the holy and admirable name of him who is the maker of all things. Wherefore, it behooving me, as the first, to give commencement to our storytelling, I propose to begin with one of his marvels, to the end that, this being heard, our hope in him, as in a thing immutable, may be confirmed, and his name be ever praised of us. It is manifest that, like as things temporal are all transitory and mortal, even so, both within and without, are they full of annoy and anguish and travail, subject to infinite perils, against which it is indubitable that we, who live and mingled therein, and who are indeed part and parcel thereof, might avail neither to endure nor to defend ourselves, except God's especial grace lent us strength and foresight, which latter, it is not to be believed, descendeth unto us and upon us by any merit of our own, but of the proper motion of his own benignity and the efficacy of the prayers of those who are mortals, even as we are. And having diligently ensued his commandments, what while they are on life, are now with him become eternal and blessed, and unto whom we be like not daring to address ourselves unto the proper presence so august a judge, proffer our petitions of the things which we deem needful unto ourselves, as unto advocates, informed by experience of our frailty. And this more we discern in him, full as he is of compassionate liberality towards us, that, whereas it chanceth whiles, the keenness of mortal eyes availing not in any wise to penetrate the secrets of the divine intent that we, peradventure, beguiled by report, make such an one our advocate unto his majesty, who is outcast from his presence with an eternal banishment. Nevertheless, he, from whom nothing is hidden, having regard rather to the purity of the suppliant's intent than to his ignorance, or to the reprobate estate of him whose intercession be invoketh, giveth ear unto those who pray unto the latter, as if he were in very deed blessed in his aspect. The which will manifestly appear from the story which I propose to relate. I say manifestly, ensuing, not the judgment of God, but that of men. It is told, then, the Mosciato Franzesi, being from a very rich and considerable merchant in France, became a knight, it behooving him thereupon to go into Tuscany with Messer Charles Sanster, brother to the King of France, who had been required and bidden thither by Pope Boniface, found his affairs in one part and another sore embroiled, as those of merchants most times are, 
we must enable lightly or promptly to disentangle them. Wherefore, he bethought himself to commit them unto diverse persons, he made shift for all, save only he abode in doubt whom he might leave sufficient to the recovery of the credits he had given to certain Burgundians. The cause of his doubt was that he knew the Burgundians to be litigious, quarrelsome fellows, ill-conditioned and disloyal, he could not call one to mind, whom he might put any trust, cursed to cope with their perversity. After long consideration of the matter, there came to his memory a certain master at Ciparello de Prato, who came often to his house in Paris, and whom, for that he was little of person, and mighty nice in his dress, the French, knowing not what Caparello meant, and thinking it be the same with Capello, to wit, in their vernacular, chaplet, called him, not Capello, but Chapoletto, and accordingly as Chapoletto, he was known everywhere, whilst few knew him from Master Chaparello. Now this said Chapoletto was of this manner life, that, being a scrivener, he thought very great shame when as any of his instrument was found, and indeed he drew few such, other than false. Also the latter would have drawn as many as might be required of him, and thus with a better will by way of gift than any other for a great wage. False witness he bore with a special delight, required or not required, and the greatest regard being in those times paid to oaths in France. As he recked nothing of forswearing himself, he knavishly gained all the suits concerning which he was called upon to tell the truth upon his faith. He took inordinate pleasure, was mighty diligent in stirring up troubles and enmities and scandals between friends and kinsfolk and whomsoever else, and the greater the mischiefs he saw ensue thereof, the more he rejoiced. If bidden to manslaughter, whatsoever other naughty deed, he went about it with a will, not ever saying nay thereto. Many a time of his proper choice he had been known to wound men and do them to death with his own hand. He was a terrible blasphemer of God and the saints, and that for every trifle, being the most choleric man alive. To church he went never, and all the sacraments thereof he flouted in abominable terms, as things of no account, whilst, on the other hand, he was still fain to haunt and use taverns and other lewd places. Of women, he was as fond of dogs of the stick in the contrary, he delighted more than any filthy fellow alive. He robbed and pillaged with as much conscience as a godly man would make oblation to God. He was a very glutton and a great wine-bibber, insomuch that by times it wrought him shameful mischief, and to boot, he was a notorious gamester and a caster of cogged dice. But why should I enlarge in so many words? He was belike the worst man that ever was born. His wickedness had long been upheld by the power and interest of Messer Mosciato, who had many a time safeguarded him, as well from private persons, to whom he often did a mischief, as from the law, against which he was a perpetual offender. This Master Ciappoletto, then, coming to Mosciato's mind, the latter, was very well acquainted with his way of life. He thought himself that he should be such an one as the perversity of the Burgundians required, 
and accordingly, sending for him, you spoke him thus. Master Chapoletto, I am, as thou knowest, but altogether to withdraw hence, and having to do, amongst others, with certain Burgundians, men full of guile. I know none whom I may leave to recover my due from them, more fitting than thyself, more by token that thou dost nothing at this present. Wherefore, and thou wilt undertake this, I will e'en procure thee the favour of the court, and give thee such part as shall be meet of that which thou shalt recover. Don Cipolletto, who was then out of employ, and ill provided with the goods of the world, seeing him who had long been his stay in his refuge, about to depart thence, lost no time in deliberation, but, as a necessity constrained, replied that he would well. They being come to an accord, Luciato departed, and Cipolletto, having gotten his patron's procuration and letters commendatory from the king, betook himself into Burgundy, where well nigh none knew him, and there, contrary to his nature, began courteously and blandly to seek to get in his payments, do that wherefore he was come thither, as if reserving choler and violence for last resort. Dealing thus, and lodging in the house of two Florentines, brothers, who there lent at usance, and who entertained him with great honour for the love of Messer Mosciato, it chanced that he fell sick. Whereupon the two brothers promptly fetched physicians and servants to tend him, furnished him with all that behooved unto the recovery of his health. But every succour was in vain, for that, by the physician's report, the good man, who was now old and had lived disorderly, grew daily worse, as one who had a mortal sickness. Wherefore, the two brothers were sore concerned, and one day, being pretty near the chamber where he lay sick, they began to take counsel together, saying one to the other, How shall we do with yonder fellow? We have a sorry bargain on our hands of his affair, for that to send him forth of our house, thus sick, were a sore reproach to us, and a manifest sign of little wit on our part. If the folk, who have seen us first receive him, and after let tend and medicine him with such solicitude, should now see him suddenly put out of our house, sick unto death as he is, without it being possible for him to have done aught that should displease us. On the other hand, he hath been so wicked a man that he will never consent to confess, or take any sacrament of the church. And he dying without confession, no church will receive his body, nay, he will be cast into a ditch like a dog. Again, even if he do confess, his sins are so many and so horrible, that the like will come of it, for that there is nor priest nor friar who can or will absolve him thereof. Wherefore, being unshriven, he will still be cast into the ditches. Should it happen thus, the people of the city, as well on account of our trade, which appeareth to them most iniquitous, of which they missay all day, as of their itch to plunder us, seeing this, will rise up in riot and cry out, These Lombard dogs! whom the church refuseth to receive, 
are to be suffered here no longer. Click. Should it happen thus, the people of the city, as well on account of our trade, which appeareth to them most iniquitous, and of which they missay all day, as of their itch to plunder us, seeing this, will rise up and riot and cry out, These Lombard dogs, whom the church refuseth to receive, are to be suffered here no longer. And they will run to our houses, and despoil us not only of our good, but maybe of our lives, to boot. Wherefore in any case it will go ill with us, if yonder fellow dies. Master Ciappelletto, who, as we have said, lay near the place where the two brothers were in discourse, being quick of hearing, as is most times the case with the sick, heard what they said of him, and calling them to him, bespoke them thus, I will not have you anywise misdoubt of me, nor fear to take any hurt by me. I have heard what you say of me, and am well assured that it would happen even as you say, should matters pass as you expect, but it shall go otherwise. I have my lifetime done God the Lord so many an affront that it will make neither more nor less, and I do him yet another at the point of death. Wherefore, do you make shift to bring me the holiest and worthiest friar you may avail to have, if any such there be, and leave the rest to me? For that I will assuredly order your affairs and mine own on such wise that all shall go well, and you shall have good cause to be satisfied. The two brothers, albeit they conceived no great hope of this, nevertheless, betook themselves to a brotherhood of monks and demanded some holy and learned man to hear the confession of a Lombard who lay sick in their house. There was given them a venerable brother of holy and good life, the past master in holy writ, a very reverend man, for whom all the townsfolk had a very great and special regard. They carried him to their house, where, coming to the chamber where Master Cipolletta lay, seating himself by his side, began first tenderly to comfort him, and after asked him how long it was since he had confessed last. Or to Master Ciappelletto, who had never confessed in his life, answered, Father, it hath been my usance to confess every week at once at the least, and often more. It is true that, since I fell sick, to wit, these eight days past, I have not confessed. Such is the annoy that my sickness hath given me. Quoth the friar, My son, thou hast done well, and so must thou do henceforward. I see, since thou confessest so often, there shall be little pains either of hearing or questioning. Sir, answered Master Ciappelletto, say not so. I have never confessed so much, nor so often, that I would so fain make a general confession of all my sins. I could call to mind from the day of my birth to that of my confession. Wherefore, I pray you, good my father, question me as punctually of everything, nay, everything, as if I had never confessed. Concern me not, because I am sick, for that I had fain liever displeased this my flesh, than, in consulting its ease, do aught that might be the perdition of my soul which my Saviour redeemed with his precious blood. These words must please the holy man, 
and seemed to him to argue a well-disposed mind. Wherefore, after he had much commended Master Cipolletto for that his usance, he asked if he had ever sinned by way of lust with any woman. Father, replied Master Cipolletto, sighing, on this point I am ashamed to tell you the truth, fearing to sin by way of vainglory. Quoth the friar, speak in all security, for never did one sin by telling the truth, whether in confession or otherwise. Then, Sir Master Cipolletto, since you certify me of this, I will tell you, I am yet a virgin, even as I came forth of my mother's body. O oh, blessed be thou of God, cried the monk, how well hast thou done! In doing thus, thou hast the more deserved, inasmuch as, and thou wouldst, thou hast more leisure to do the contrary than we, and whatsoever others, are limited by any rule. After this he asked him if he had ever offended against God in the sin of gluttony, whereto Master Cipolletto answered, sighing, Aye, had he, and then many a time, for that, albeit, over and above the Lenten fast that are yearly observed of the devout, he had been wont to fast on bread and water three days at the least in every week. Yet oftentimes, especially when as he had endured any fatigue, either praying or going a pilgrimage, drunk on the water with as much appetite and as keen a relish as great drinkers do wine. Many a time he had longed to have such homely salads of potherbs as women make when they go into the country, and while eating had given him more pleasure than him seemed it should do to one who fasteth for devotion, as did he. My son, said the friar, these sins are natural and very slight, and I would not, therefore, have thee burden thy conscience withal, for them behoveth. It happeneth to every man, a devout science be he, that, after long fishing, meat seemeth good to him, and after travail, drink. Alack, father mine, rejoined Chapoletto, tell me not this to comfort me. You must know I know that things done for the service of God should be done sincerely with an ungrudging mind, and whoso doth otherwise sinneth. Quoth the friar, exceeding well pleased. I am content that thou shouldst thus apprehend it, and thy pure and good conscience therein pleaseth me exceedingly. But, tell me, hast thou sinned by way of avarice, sorrowing more than befitted, or withholding that which it behoove thee not to withhold? Father mine, replied Cipolletto, would not have you looked to my being in the house of these usurers. I have naught to do here. Nay, I came hither to admonish and chasten them, and turn them from this, their abominable way of gain. And methinketh I should have made shift to do so, had not God thus visited me. But you must know that I was left a rich man by my father, whose good, when he was dead, I bestowed the most part in alms, and after to sustain my life, and that I might be able to succor Christ poor. I have done my little traffickings, and these I have desired to gain. But still with God's power have I shared that which I gained, converting my own half to my occasion, giving half the other. But you must know that I was left a rich man by my father, of whose good, when he was dead, 
I bestowed the most part in alms, and after, to sustain my life, and that I might be able to succor Christ's poor. I have done my little traffickings, and these I have desired to gain. But still with God's poor have I shared that which I gained, converting my own half to my occasion, giving them the other. In this so well hath my Creator prospered me, that my affairs have still gone from good to better. Well hast thou done, said the friar, but hast thou often been angered? Oh, cried Master Cepoletto, that I must tell you I have very often been. And who could keep himself therefrom, seeing men do unseemly things all day long, keeping not the commandments of God, neither fearing his judgment? Many times a day I had liefer been dead than alive, seeing young men follow after vanities, and hearing them curse and forswear themselves, haunting the taverns, visiting not the churches, and suing rather the ways of the world than that of God. My son, said the friar, this is a righteous anger, nor for my part might I enjoin thee any penance therefore. But hath anger at any time availed to move thee to do any manslaughter? Dis my son, said the friar, this is a righteous anger, nor for my part might I enjoin thee any penance therefore. But hath anger at any time availed to move thee to do any manslaughter, or to bespeak any one unseemly, or do any other unright? Alack, sir, answered the sick man, you, you seem to me a man of God. How can you say such words? Have I ever had the least thought of doing any one of the things whereof you speak? Think you I believe that God would so long have forborne me? These be the doings of outlaws, and men of naught. Whereof I never saw any, but I said still, Go! May God amend thee. Then said the friar, Now tell me, my son, blessed be thou of God. Hast thou never borne false witness against any, or merced of another, or taken others' good, without leave of him to whom it pertained? Aye, indeed, sir, replied Master Cepoletto. I have merced of others, for that I had a neighbor aforetime, who, the greatest unright in the world, did not but beat his wife, insomuch that I once spoke ill of him to her kinsfolk. So great was the compassion that overcame me for the poor woman, whom he used as God alone can tell, when as so ever he had drunken overmuch. Quoth the friar, Thou tellest me thou hast been a merchant. Hast thou never cheated any one, as merchants do wiles? A faith, yes, sir, answered Master Chapoletto. But I know not whom, except it were a certain man who once brought me monies which he owed me for cloth I had sold him, which I threw into a chest, without counting. Good month after, I found that they were four farthings more than they should have been. Wherefore, not seeing him again, and having kept them by me a full year, that I might restore them to him, I gave them away in alms. Quote the friar, This was a small matter, and thou didst well to deal with it as thou didst. He questioned him of many other things, of all which he answered after the same fashion. And the Holy Father offering to proceed to absolution, Master Cepoletto said, Sir, I have yet sundry sins that I have not told you. The friar asked him what they were, and he answered, 
I mind me that one Saturday, afternoon, I caused my servant sweep out the house, and had not that reverence for the Lord's holy day which it behooved me have. Oh, said the friar, that is a light matter, my son. Nay, rejoined Master Cipolletto, call it not a light matter, for that the Lord's day is greatly to be honoured, seeing that on such a day our Lord rose from the dead. Then said the friar, well, hast thou done aught else? Ay, sir, answered Master Cipolletto, once, and thinking what I did, I spat in the church of God. Thereupon the friar fell a-smiling, and said, My son, that is no thing to be erect of. We who are of the clergy, we spit there all day long. And you do very ill, rejoined Master Cipolletto, for that there is naught which is so straightly behooveth to keep clean as the holy temple, wherein is rendered sacrifice to God. Brief, he told him great plenty of such like things, and presently fell a-sighing, and after weeping sore, as he knew full well to do, and as he would. Quoth the holy friar, What aileth thee, my son? Alas, sir, replied Master Cipolletto, I have one sin left, whereof I never yet confessed me. Such shame have I to tell it, and every time I call it to mind I weep, even as you see, and me seemeth very certain that God will never pardon it me. Go to, son, rejoined the friar, is this thou sayest? If all the sins that were ever wrought are yet to be wrought of all mankind, what while the world endureth, were all in one man, and he repented him thereof, and were contrite therefore, as I see thee, such is the mercy and loving kindness of God that, upon confession, he would freely pardon them to him. Wherefore do thou tell it in all assurance? Both Master Cipolletto, still weeping sore. Alack, father mine, mine is too great a sin. I can scarce believe that it will ever be forgiven me of God, except your prayers strive for me. Then said the friar, Tell it me in all assurance, for I promise thee to pray God for thee. Master Cipolletto, however, still wept and said not. But after he had thus held the friar a great while in suspense, he heaved a deep sigh, and said, Father mine, since you promise me to pray God for me, I will e'en tell it you. Know then that, when I was little, I once cursed my mother. So saying, he fell again to weeping sore. Oh, my son, quoth the friar, seemeth this to thee so heinous a sin? My men blaspheme God all day long, and he freely pardoneth whoso repenteth him of having blasphemed him, and deemest thou not he will pardon thee this? Weep not, but comfort thyself, for certes, without one of those who set him on the cross, he would pardon thee, in favour of such contrition as I see in thee. Alack, father mine, what say you? replied Cipolletto. My kind mother! who bore me nine months in her body, day and night, and carried me on her neck an hundred times and more, I did passing ill to curse her, and it was an exceeding great sin. Except you pray God for me, it will not be forgiven me. The friar, then, 
Seeing that Master Chapoletto had no more to say, gave him absolution and bestowed on him his benison, holding him a very holy man and devoutly believing all that he had told him to be true. And who would not have believed it, hearing a man at the point of death speak thus? Then, after all this, he said to him, Master Chapoletto, the gods help you speedily be whole. But should it come to pass that God call your blessed and well-disposed soul to himself, will it please you that your body be buried in our convent? I would it, sir, replied Master Chapoletto. Nay, I would fain know be buried otherwhere, since you have promised to pray God for me, more by token that I have ever had a special regard for your order. Wherefore I pray you, that when as you return to your lodging, you must cause bring me that most veritable body of Christ, which you consecrate on mornings upon the altar, for that, with your leave, I propose, all unworthy as I am, to take it and after holy and extreme unction, to the intent that, if I have lived as a sinner, I may at the least die like a Christian. Goodfriar replied that it pleased him much, and that he said well, and promised to see it presently brought him, and so was it done. Meanwhile, the two brothers, misdoubting them sore lest Master Chapoletto should play them false, had posted themselves behind a wainscot that divided the chamber where he lay from another, and listening, easily heard and apprehended that which he said to the friar, that while so great a mind to laugh, hearing the things which he confessed to having done, that they were like to burst, and said one to another. Meanwhile, the two brothers, misdoubting them sore lest Master Chapoletto should play them false, had posted themselves behind a wainscot, that divided the chamber where he lay from another, and listening, easily heard and apprehended that which he said to the friar and had while so great a mind to laugh, hearing the things which he confessed to having done, that they were like to burst, and said, one to other, What manner of man is this, whom neither old age, nor sickness, nor fear of death, whereunto he seeth himself near, nor yet of God, for whose judgment seat he looketh to be ere long, have availed to turn from his wickedness, nor hinder him from choosing to die as he hath lived. However, seeing that he had so spoken that he should be admitted to burial in the church, they recked not of the rest. Master Chapoletto presently took the sacrament, and, growing rapidly worse, received extreme unction. A little after evensong of the day he had made his fine confession, he died. Whereupon the two brothers, having, of his proper monies, taken order for his honorable burial, sent to the convent to acquaint the friars therewith, bidding them come thither that night to hold vigil, according to usance, and fetch away the body in the morning, and meanwhile made ready all that was needful thereunto. The holy friar, who had shriven him, hearing that he had departed this life, he took himself to the prior of the convent, and, letting ring to chapter, he vowed to the brethren therein assembled that Master Cipolletto had been a holy man, 
according to that which he had gathered from his confession, and persuaded them to receive his body with the utmost reverence and devotion, in the hope that God should show forth many miracles through him. To this the prior and brethren credulously consented, and that same evening, coming all whereas Master Cepoletto lay dead, they held high and solemn vigil over him, and on the morrow, clad all in albs and copes, book in hand and crosses before them, they went, chanting the while for his body, and brought it with the utmost pomp and solemnity to their church, followed by well nigh all the people of the city, men and women. As soon as they had set the body down in the church, the holy friar, who had confessed him, mounted the pulpit, fell preaching marvellous things of the dead man and of his life, his fasts, his virginity, his simplicity, and innocence, and sanctity, recounting, amongst other things, that which we had confessed to him as his greatest sin and how we had hardly availed to persuade him that God would forgive it him, once passing on to reprove the folk who hearkened. And you, a curse that you are, quoth he, for every waif of straw that stirreth between your feet, you blaspheme God and the Virgin and all the host of heaven. Moreover, he told them many other things of his loyalty and purity of heart, brief with his speech, whereto entire faith was yielded of the people of the city. He so established the dead man in the reverent consideration of all who were present that, no sooner was the service at an end, than they all with the utmost eagerness flocked to kiss his hands and feet, and the clothes were torn off his back. He holding himself blessed who might avail to have never so little thereof, and needs must they leave him thus all that day, so he might be seen and visited of all. The following night he was honorably buried in a marble tomb in one of the chapels of the church, and on the morrow the folk began incontinent to come and burn candles and offer up prayers, make vows to him, and hang images of wax at his shrine, according to the promise made. Nay, on such wise waxed the frame of his sanctity and men's devotion to him that there were scarce any who, being in adversity, would vow himself to another saint than him. And they styled and yet style him Saint Chapoletto, and avouched that God through him hath wrought many miracles, and yet worketh them every day for whoso devoutly commandeth himself unto him. Thus, then, lived and died Master Ciaparello da Prato, and became a saint, as you have heard. Nor would I deny it to be possible that he is beatified in God's presence, for that, albeit his life was wicked and perverse, he may at his last extremity have shown such contrition that peradventure God had mercy on him and received him into his kingdom. But, for that this is hidden from us, I reason according to that which is apparent, and say that he should rather be in the hands of the devil in perdition than in paradise. And if so it be, we may know from this how great is God's loving kindness towards us, 
which, having regard not to our error, but to the purity of our faith, whenas we thus make an enemy, deeming him a friend, of his our intermediary, giveth ear unto us, even as if we had recourse unto one truly holy, as intercessor for his favor. Wherefore, to the end that by his grace we may be preserved safe and sound in this present adversity, and in this so joyous company, let us, magnifying his name, in which we have begun our diversion, and holding him in reverence, commend ourselves to him and our necessities, well assured of being heard. And with this he was silent. <laughs>